Hey everyone, welcome to the Super Marketers Podcast, the definitive show for advanced marketers who are looking to use artificial intelligence to become better marketers and become super marketers. I'm your host, Gen Furukawa, and today we're going to dive into programmatic SEO with Mason Yu, who is from ClickUp and now also a full-time MBA at Booth, the best uh, business school in the world. Mason, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. I'm super excited to be here to talk about you know, SEO, AI, everything, everything between. Absolutely. Those are like, I, I'm so knee deep into it and love <laughs> it. So, but first, can you just give us a quick overview background on where you came? Because I think it's a really fascinating background in terms of like your artistic background and now diving into the code part. So can you share that? Yeah. So I started my first like eight years of my career as a violinist, founded a string quartet and we toured the nation, toured internationally. You know, did really well, but, you know, during that time, I kind of just noticed a couple of trends. Like, you know, first of all, I, I realized, you know, my quartet, we didn't really know how to attract audiences, really like kind of get people to our concerts and also just kind of build our brand. Right. And number one, and then number two is I just noticed in general, in the music industry, like everything seemed to move slow and like technology was like not there. So those couple of things kind of, you know, kept, I kept in my back of my mind and, uh, I just one day I was like, okay, I really need to learn this stuff. So I uh, decided to kind of launch some digital marketing agency where I, you know, was getting clients to help with their SEO and Facebook ads. And I kind of learned marketing and acquisition through doing this for clients. And it was a very self-taught, but I, I could do this while I was performing as well as, you know, so performing and practicing in the day and then serving clients and building this sort of side hustle during the night. And that's kind of where I learned the power of technology, automation, marketing, ads, you know, content writing, copywriting, all that kind of stuff while I was a violinist. And during the pandemic, I had the great, I, I don't know if it was great, but bad, but we basically lost a lot of our concerts, but I had an opportunity to basically leave the industry pivot. And I was luckily hired as one of the earlier, you know, marketing hires on the ClickUp team. Um, and got to really focus on SEO at an enterprise level. And so that was like super exciting because I had been using ClickUp to manage my agency clients, right? As well as a little bit of my life, you know, because I was doing violin, like all this stuff, right? So I had been using ClickUp and I got hired at ClickUp. So I was super excited. You know, at ClickUp, I, you know, it was a fast paced startup, learned, learned a lot of things. I really took the approach of SEO as an experiment where you know, I think my, my boss was super great in that he let me kind of do whatever I was interested in SEO program wise. So I, you know, first kind of built out like our backlink process and experimented with partnering with SEMrush on some of their surround sound strategies and getting brand visibility in a different way than just backlinks. That was like the first thing I did it was really cool. I then rolled out a guest post program intake program for ClickUp, where we basically had a huge network of partners and writers that would write for us, you know, they would get a couple links in, a, in, in exchange, but they would write great articles and we would actually build a lot of traffic to click up and a lot of conversions through these guest posts. So that was like my second, uh, experiment that kind of came from these partnerships and backlinks. Right. So I then started just getting more interested in getting more efficient. Right. And, and like, how can we build more content? How can we scale out? our acquisition numbers with not a lot more investment, right? And that's kind of when 
GPT had been blowing up and I just decided, okay, yep. Yeah. And then we're programmatic. I heard about programmatic strategies and I started really kind of going down the rabbit hole to learn how different people implemented programmatic strategies. And at first I was kind of skeptical how we would do it because it just didn't seem like a use case that we could achieve or even like conceive of because ClickUp, you know, is a software product that doesn't have a lot of, doesn't lend itself to a lot of like UGC or public facing assets that, you know, some other companies like G2 and these other, you know, there's a lot, a lot of other programmatic plays that have happened, like TripAdvisor, G2, like they have a lot of their con their product is basically their content. So I couldn't really find the, the use case yet, but then I noticed that we were publishing a lot of one type of article, uh, which was like a comparison article on ClickUp. And so I decided to just kind of experiment with whether I could programmatically do the, the comparison article um, in a programmatic way. Uh, and so for those of you who don't know, programmatic is like you have a pattern of keyword that can be basically extrapolated and duplicated and have different, like you have a pattern and you create a bunch of pages based on this pattern and you kind of switch out what the, what the pattern is. So for ClickUp's case, it would be like, you know, ClickUp versus Asana and then like ClickUp versus Monday, right? So like we have a bunch of competitors and then we would then just shuffle all the different matches, all the different variations of these matches and then create pages for them. So that's the most basic use case of programmatic. It's like everybody who talks about programmatic now talks about this kind of uh, strategy in this use case. So I definitely tried it out. I tried it out on a, another website that ClickUp owned so that I, I could kind of go as crazy as I wanted to and kind of just do duplicate content. I used, you know, copy content from ClickUp, all that kind of stuff, just to really see if we could index the pages and it could even rank slightly. And so that worked out really well. And uh, I decided to then just implement that on another subsection of ClickUp's website. And that programmatic strategy has been instrumental to this one subfolder. It's like almost 10 X our traffic now and our acquisition and our your conversion numbers. So yeah, that was like really cool stuff that I work in ClickUp. Right now I am at Chicago booth doing an MBA. Part of the reason is just to continue building my skills and technology and really formalizing a lot of, you know, things I learned on the fly and things I learned just by myself. And really kind of like just building that foundation as well as I'm, I'm doing a joint degree in the computer science program. So that really, that plus this programmatic thing really has a great synergy, I feel like. And one of my, you know, big goals in the future, some sort of product, you know, working in product, but like thinking about growth a lot. So I think there's a great marriage between your product management and growth these days, like where product managers have to think about marketing and like how they're the product actually fits users, right? And how to actually like create that. And I think that I add that unique uh, experience to it. And now I'm building the kind of working with engineers, understanding tech stack and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think programmatic is just one small microcosm of that. Like you say, G2, the product is the content. So G2, yeah. G2 crowd, as it was reviews of sites. I think Yelp does a great job with programmatic yeah. SEO, TripAdvisor, Advisor. some of these like things to do in or best restaurants in, and then you fill in the blank. So I, I would love to hear about your process in 
discovering that for ClickUp, you said that you didn't really see opportunities for ClickUp. So ClickUp is a like a project management tool, I guess you'd call it. Yes. Yeah. How, how did you come across that or how did you identify that? And then how would you say, like, what, what's the criteria of sites that would qualify for good programmatic SEO opportunities? Yeah. So after doing it with ClickUp, I realized that, you know, I had just been limiting myself in my mindset and thinking what was possible. So just to answer the last part, the last part of your question, I do think every site has the potential to leverage a programmatic strategy. Now, whether or not that's a like a strategy you want to prioritize in, that's like another question we can talk about later. But I do think every site has a possibility to do it. Now, how I like discovered it or like figured it out with ClickUp, honestly, like I have to attribute a lot of this to not really pressure, but like actually our growth, our head of growth was actually really like, he was really bullish on programmatic strategies. And so he like really wanted our team to like figure out something programmatically, right? So if, if it had just been like something in the you know, passing, I might've just like not thought about this opportunity really, but since that was such a bullish thing and, you know, we obviously want to, you know, we want to fulfill our goals to like get a lot of traffic, but also to like, you know, how, how can we do this cool thing, right? And talk about it. That is like how I just started just researching more, really going down that rabbit hole, really saw different SEOs that had done it before and how they did it. And I realized at that point that it was not as hard as everybody had made it seem like. I think that was number one. Like I thought that, you know, in order to do this programmatic strategy, I needed to be like a coder. I needed to be like, we needed to have the, the perfect keyword patterns. Like we needed to have unique content. We need, I needed to write all this stuff myself because when we were first testing it, right? I didn't want to involve like a bunch of copywriters and a bunch of other people to like build this prototype, right? So, but like I, as I was exploring, I just noticed how easy and possible it was to just create a couple of programmatic pages, maybe like a set of 50, right? So like, of course it was not easy, but I really saw the step-by-step -step really clearly. I think the, one of the, the people that I found a lot of value from if I were to give him a pitch, like is Sammy SEO. He, you know, he really broke down really step-by-step -step how to do some of these things in just a Google sheet. So that's the only tool I needed, right? Google sheets, formulas, and I added, like, I kind of like thought, okay, we can have AI content now because uh, in the past programmatic strategies were mainly just rehashing of the same content with a couple of dynamic variables swapped out to make the content unique. And now that we have AI, we can actually create just a little bit better version of these programmatic pages so that it's more unique, more personalized, more brand affinity, right? So mm -hmm. that was like, that was kind of like the spin I added on what Sammy SEO created. And I'm sure he's probably doing that these days anyway, like, but he did that. And uh, another person I would like to shout out is Amelia, I forgot her last name, but from UserPilot. Oh, like sure, she, yeah. she posts a lot about programmatic, like she, those two people definitely inspired me to go on this path. So in terms of validating ClickUp's, I guess, keyword patterns, I just, you know, we have a big content machine. Like, you know, I, I work with all the other SEOs on our, on our team and see what are some content priorities they're having right now. And I noticed there are just buckets of content types that we're producing. And one of these lent really well to programmatic because it was kind of like a similar formula all the time. And so anything that can be like formulaic 
you know, I don't want to say that in like a, a negative way because like the articles themselves are actually really unique, but in terms of structurally formulaic lends itself really well to programmatic. Yeah. So, do, you, do you have an example of, of one of those pages? I, so for the first iteration, I did, I like, it's not on ClickUp. It's on another, another website that, that we, we own. But if you just search like any kind of like a ClickUp versus something, chances are you might come across something. You might come across that website and you might come across that content. Like I, I won't say, I mean, like you can probably look at Ahrefs and figure it out. Got it. Okay. Um, I'm not going right. to like, yeah, I, I don't want to like just give it all away in that, in that way. Um, yeah, no, it just totally makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I have, I have one experience in doing programmatic. And so when, when you're describing Google sheets, it was basically that it's, it's, and, yeah. and so if, if I'm imagining it, like Canva has one as well, I think for color pairings, you know, like what goes, so for example, like what goes well with green and so you'd have one column would be the title of the page. The next column would be the meta description. The next column would exactly, be exactly. the URL slug. And then you would have the prompt for the content itself. So if we're, exactly. if we're going with the example of what is, and then you would include maybe the color as so the, let's, the reference. Exactly. So let's just, so let's just say it was like clicker versus a sauna. Well, so this is not actually something we did programmatically, but like, let's just say it was this type of keyword that we did, right? Like, so let's say it's clicker versus a sauna. Right. So then how we had been creating this content in the past was, you know, we would have a brief and then the brief would say like, you know, the first H2 would be what is ClickUp and second one is what is Asana. And then third is like the pros of like all these ClickUp features versus Asana's, like all these different features against each other. So I would then you'd be able to think about programmatically, like, okay, if we want to have ClickUp as like an object, and Asana as like another object and all of its different attributes, how can we then put them all together and reuse these attributes in different articles like Asana versus Monday, Asana versus Trello, ClickUp versus Monday, just use all these attributes and mix them up together into a cohesive article. That was the problem statement for a programmatic setup. So that's not exactly like the, the, the segment we went after, but that is an example of how you would set it up. So, yeah. Is that, is that clear? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then the one thing that I liked to do like basically 10,000 pages was GPT for sheets. Yes. And I think the URL is GPT for work. And basically what that does is it just allows you to inject OpenAI's API into your Google Sheets. So that way you can just drag down a cell as if you would a formula in, in Google Sheets. And instead of just a formula, it's actually the prompt. And so you're having you know, click up versus Sonic, click up versus Notion, and then you're having, you're referencing the prompt. It's a exactly. little bit harder to explain verbally, but well, yeah, let, 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 we can break it down. So let's just say we're talking about this content section, like what is ClickUp? And then like, we typically have like, you know, ClickUp is a project management software that helps XYZ and it's better than tool in this way. And like, these are the ways attributes save, right? And with AI, so like that's the programmatic model, right? Now with AI, you can drag the formulas to include all those personalization features so that it can naturally create this content without sounding duplicate. So mm -hmm. in the past, you would just have like, like a, a formulaic content that would hold true the whole time. But now you could pass that content and make it unique for that page. So it doesn't sound as, it doesn't sound as contrived, right? Like, because a lot of times you would have to set up content that sounds a little contrived because it has to work with the formula. It has to work with the the variable, 
Um, but now with AI, you can make it, you can pass in ugly sounding text to AI and make it better. Absolutely. So, and the, the way that you're helping to stay on the course of sound better, quote unquote, sound better is by including examples. So once you've done like say ClickUp for Sasana, which you've done by hand and it's, it's very carefully crafted, that becomes the example that you feed into ChatGPT or OpenAI, and, and then it kind of builds on that as the prototype. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, like one, one thing that's really good with these AI models is that it's able to imitate what you've just historically have passed in. So that's why I think that this is this next this step of like making sure that it doesn't you don't just ask it write me five sentences about why click was put in the sauna like that's so that's not going to create any differentiated content than any other marketer that decides to write on the same topic so like to in order to create that competitive differentiator you need to provide it with the the good quality content or any kind of exclusive data or anything like that that you want to pass in and like so that's where i think i guess the art form of prompting comes in and that's where marketers can add their unique personalities and unique streaks to ai content yeah now we've talked about eat experience expertise authority trust as one main ranking factor how are you doing that at scale like you're, it is a brand voice, so it's not like you're Mason talking about ClickUp versus Sana, but how are you incorporating that like unique voice that you you were just describing or some of these? Yeah. 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 So I think, so one thing is just ClickUp doesn't really do programmatic for things that it just doesn't do. Like, like we're not really creating programmatic content around like informational articles that you just kind of scrape from the web. We're creating programmatic content where at least we have some opinion on it. So like either some internal brand assets that we could leverage as information or data or like style of voice. Like, so all of our programmatic content has at least a shadow of ClickUp's influence in it. So that's in my opinion, like, you know, the best case scenario we can ask for AI content. Like, and you know, if we think about EAT, I know EAT it's becoming a, a thing, but you know, if we think about eat in the in terms of whether or not you should go ahead with the strategy or not, like I think that everybody should just experiment. And if it works, then do we care if eat matters or not? Like, no, we don't really care, right? So, but of course, you know, like obviously, it it really de depends on the quality of marketer you are, right? So that that's where where the human element really comes in. I feel like eat doesn't need to be conceptualized as like every sentence needs to be like your experience, but it could be conceptualized as your experience overall in this article and whether or not you wrote it or an AI wrote your thoughts and your kind of opinion on it, that is it, right? So Google has no, I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm interested to work at Google, so maybe Google does, but like Google has no way of knowing like if this uh, content was really AI written or not. And also Google has said that if the content is helpful and answers the user's intent, it doesn't really matter because they're ultimately trying to create better search results. And if you think past the guidelines and think about the intent of the guidelines, um, you can still align towards Google's guidelines through AI, right? You don't need to just think, you know, at face value, their guidelines. Right.
Now, yeah. earlier you mentioned that you, you practiced on a site, maybe lower stakes, if you were doing duplicative content or you're penalized for something. Yeah. Can you explain the potential challenges and pitfalls of creating duplicative content and then how you're actually like double checking before you produce it and then actually before you publish it so that you don't plummet organic traffic? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to answer this question maybe in a slightly different way. Like it was honestly just for me, I needed, I wanted to, I have like a very high standard that I wanted to maintain. So I was skeptical of programmatic content. So I really kind of policed every element of this first test to just to make sure that if I were coming from a natural visit, like it would not be weird. So like I was kind of like, you know, had a lot of control and like really like trying to to handle it. But as we started doing more and more programmatic, obviously I can't check everything. And as our traffic started getting higher and higher and our indexing rates started getting better and better with more and more programmatic content, I started realizing that I was falsely paranoid. I mean, so it's good to be paranoid, but I think I started to relax the paranoia a bit and to realize that like the, you know, the, this, what are the stakes, right? Like, so if, if something is really like, if Google doesn't like something, it just will not be indexed. It'll just be the rank will just not go up. Right. Like, so we can just delete the page. If, if like somehow like this whole, whole project doesn't work, it's just one subfolder of our site. So I think for, for us as marketers, we have to think about, you know, we, we should be paranoid. And then, so, you know, we should think about the risk reward uh, situation. And so I started out small because I was very paranoid. I, you know, I really wanted to make sure I was comfortable scaling that out. So I, I would, a lot of times people might be hesitant to jump in because they are thinking programmatic equals 10,000 pages. It's going to take our site. You don't have to start programmatic with 10,000. You can start programmatic with 20. That's actually how I, I started with 21 articles, I think. And every single one of those articles ranked and they made it to page one maybe bottom of page one, and they were 90% duplicate content. I didn't even use AI at that time. So like for the test, I didn't use AI. So then I realized using AI will actually improve the results. So I was more confident to use AI after I noticed duplicate content did rank on the first page. So that's kind of like how I grew my comfortability, or is that even a word? <laughs> I grew comfortable with doing programmatic more and more. Got it. Okay. And then what metrics are you tracking? It sounds like position or, or rank and then traffic. So for people that are just starting, you need to track, uh, if it's indexed number one, number one, like does like what percentage of indexing are your pages? So, uh, if you are launching only like 20 to 50 pages, you should have a hundred percent indexing rate because you like theoretically, and, and like, ideally you should have vetted every single keyword. You should have looked through 50 articles, not that hard. Right. So that's like number one factor to like know if Google is happy or not is like indexation. The number two, obviously, yeah, it's, it's starting to like figure out rank. Like I like to give a little bit more lag time for this rank because maybe it's not used to seeing your site publish a ton of content. So it might take a while for the ranks to go up as long as it keeps going up. It's in a good direction. As long as impressions are improving, it's in a good direction. Luckily, at ClickUp, we have a great site. We publish a lot of like really good content as well as programmatic content. So our our site indexes almost immediately. 
and we all, most of our programmatic content hits page one within a week. I would not expect that. We didn't actually have that for the first two or three launches, right? It took us two or three months to see results for the first couple of launches. So for anybody that doesn't have a DR80 site, right? Like, which most of you probably do not, I would definitely wait three to six months to like, even see if it's indexed, right? If it's indexed, that's already like a, a win because indexing means that Google finds it valuable enough to crawl it and, and to like index it, put in the results. So those are the metrics that are the beginnings of good programmatic strategies. Obviously the metrics we care about are, is the content converting? Are we getting traffic? Is there any cannibalization between these pages? Maybe are there any things we need to ax because it's less than five impressions and it's been like already two months, right? So those are what we're looking for now because we have a more mature programmatic program. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, if you're not like, like me, if you're not a, a DR80 site, are there criteria that you would target for those long tail keywords to target, to go after in terms of programmatic, like for example, keyword volume over a hundred and keyword difficulty under 20 or something. Do you have, do you have some, do I have a, yeah, do I have advice for like what kind of keyword sets, right? Like it's, it's hard because I think the biggest challenge is finding that keyword pattern and finding that programmatic able type of keywords. So you need to have, so in general, so in general, programmatic content will not really rank above written content if your site is not a high authority. That being said, of course, if you do programmatic so well that like, yeah, it sounds really like it's really good. There is a chance that it will be, you know, real content. So I, I would actually look at keywords that have very low volume and very low difficulty and see if there's, and you, you might need to make up keywords. Like that's actually what I end up doing because, you know, we're now launching thousands of programmatic pages. You can't think of a that you can't go to Ahrefs and just like export thousands of keywords and just expect that that's the right ones, right? Like we actually, maybe you, you see a pattern of like 10 to 15 keywords that might look programmaticable. And then you just then add your own keywords that you think are aligned to the industry, to your goals and all that kind of stuff. So like we now have like a template of keywords that we add to keyword patterns to, ex to expand our programmatic keyword list. And whether or not these keywords themselves have one volume or not, doesn't matter. So I would suggest like, like anybody who wants to try this, like, yeah, we really think about like the keyword fit in terms of pattern, like, is there a specific group, maybe five, 10, 15 keywords that could have very similar intent and page type, and then what are some, what are some additional variations that are not captured in keyword tools that you personally know would, uh, would actually work with the same keyword format, right? This page format, sorry, it's very good. The lingo is getting crazy. Um, you, you basically think about like, are there any ones that are not captured in these keyword tools? And then now you have, let's say you, you think of 20 or 30, right? And then, so now you have, you know, 10, 15, then you have 20 or 30 of your own. And then you might think, okay, are there like another similar kind of page that um, maybe you switch one of those keywords that also is capped? Sorry, actually, this is getting getting too weedy. 
basically you have to you have to create your own keyword list as well as rely on keyword tools that's yeah. the gist it, it, that totally makes sense because i think also if you are going that long tail it might not pick up in hrefs it won't uh, yeah. and in, say if you're in a newer niche like ai it, there there will be that lag time as well so yeah exactly. i totally get that yeah now we, we spent a lot of time on this because I, I find it fascinating and thank you so much for sharing your expertise and, and getting into the weeds. A uh, few rapid fire questions about you and the, the tools, the AI tools that you like to use as a marketer. But first, like, what is your favorite use case of AI maybe outside of programmatic SEO as a marketer? Yeah, so I think the, the my favorite use case actually is, is now starting to be the, I guess the translation element of, of AI. Like, so I think recently I came across somebody that was able to translate the whole video, like of themselves speaking another language. I think that's like a really cool, a really cool application that could be just instrumental for information distribution, right? Like now we've basically unlocked the whole world to be able to access any kind of knowledge from any part of the world that was previously inaccessible if you didn't know the language. Yeah. So I, I think that's like a really cool thing. And also just from marketers themselves, like being able to translate your content just means that, you know, five, 10 X more eyeballs on your content. Totally. That is a whole other world of programmatic, right? I guess uh, that is a bit programmatic as well, but yeah. I think, yeah, just like the, the fact that AI they will do that is like really cool. Of course, there's, there's a ton of other exciting technologies is more experimental. Like I think, something with like AI agents and like, I, I, I know I was talking to somebody at TikTok recently and they were talking about like how they're thinking about AI avatars for like these influencers, but it, things like that. It's like really interesting is I'd like to see how it plays out in the future. Right. Are you using those now? Like, are you using translation? I personally am not using it yet. I've like been looking at it and like kind of doing some of it, but, but not really like formally like doing any, anything with translation. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any AI tools maybe outside of a, a chat GPT or a Claude that you use every day as a marketer? You know, so the, the cool thing about how AI, the explosion of AI has enabled us all to become creators of tools. So a lot of the tools that I use their AI based are actually tools that I created myself for our team to improve productivity. Or I, I worked with some other like developer to like come up with the, the idea and then we just created some prompts and then patched that in some automations with Python. So a lot of those tools like are self-made. If I were to think about like a tool that was instrumental to help me with the programmatic idea at first, it was actually this app called Riku.ai, R-I-K-U.ai. That was actually the first, it, the reason I liked it was because it was like a prompt saver and like a prompt builder and like you could, you could work it was kind of like a layer on top of OpenAI that you could customize it. So that was the first thing we used, but then I quickly, we quickly graduated out of that and kind of developed our own use cases that did some similar things, but better. So I'm sorry, I don't really have like, I don't really use a lot of software that are AI related just because a lot of the use cases I have are very specific. And I think it's actually more efficient to just like create that, especially since I'm interested in computer science. Like I've been, dabbling a lot of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think at a high level AI for productivity, like for example, I've, I've, you know, create content calendars, or if I have limited resources, how can I allocate my time 
to do the whole process. And then you might lay out like ideation, editing, writing, distribution, all that stuff. And the uh, chat GPT might break it down into how you might do that. Also, as you were talking about figuring out how you identify the programmatic opportunities, I think that's a great opportunity to use chat GPT. You say, I am, you know, the, the growth manager for ClickUp, a Oh yeah, project management. <laughs> or not not click up. Exactly. You know no, exactly. So uh, actually, when I talked about you, you you find five to ten keywords that actually have some volume and interest, and you think about what are the next hundred use cases for these. Exactly. That's exactly how we got that. Obviously, like I'm not going to be writing down all the different ideas. Like using ChatGPT to come up with all the other maybe industries or use cases we want to tackle. Definitely using ChatGPT. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think with the right prompt, it can definitely do a lot of the things that you shared. Now. For those marketers that are trying to get in your shoes in terms of leveraging AI and, and marketing, what do you think some of the best resources or ways to expand on the skill set of AI and marketing are? That's hard. Yeah. I mean, there's no better way than just do it yourself, like create your own experiments. But uh, one newspaper or newsletter that I really follow a lot is Every.2. Do you know that one? Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I like every that newsletter because it doesn't talk about practical like how to do something. It talks, it kind of expands your mind, I think, and makes you think about AI in different applications and different like implications sure. that make you kind of like. And it doesn't just talk about AI. I think that's another thing. Like you know, how you can find great AI use cases may not come from the AI industry or like the you know tech industry, like. So I really, I religiously read like most of their articles because they talk about some really cool stuff. Like I think somebody had like their own personal bot, right? Like they talked about how everybody, every creator can now be a developer. Like those kinds of concepts, mm -hmm. I think like is really good way to just get yourself in the mindset of what this revolution might become. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't pay for it. Uh, but I do subscribe and, and honestly, I just kind of look at the uh, subject line. Uh, but another one along those lines is Ethan Mollick, who is a professor of entrepreneurship at UPenn, uh, Mollick, who does okay, a lot of it. interesting studies and takeaways on the social impact and in particular on uh, tech and some on marketing and, and society in general. Okay. I, I got to ask you about that one. So Ethan Mollick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He does a lot I'll of good stuff. And you know, amazing. I, I think you have done a lot. You probably shared more than you you signed up to share, but I, I really do appreciate that because you're you're a wealth of knowledge. And what would be the, the best place to connect with you or, or learn more about what you're doing online? Yeah, I need to have some I need to definitely have some kind of website. I don't have one yet. You can connect me with LinkedIn slash Mason U. I think I have just my name. Um so yeah, get in touch with me through LinkedIn. I definitely check that all the time. Happy to you know talk more about AI, about marketing, about product, anything like that. Yeah. Mason, you're the man. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Appreciate it.